Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. If, you, if there are any kiddos in here that would like to go to the Kids Equipping Center, Mr. Chris is over here. You can go with him. Awesome. Yeah, man, I um, have been super excited. I knew before Adria went, I knew just in in my gut that the Lord was going to do some amazing things in her life, and I've not even had the chance to hear, <laughs> but I feel it. I feel like God's done some amazing things for her and unlocked gifts in her that, that may be not necessarily dormant, but maybe brought maturity to and, um, and are going to fulfill. So I'm excited to invite her to come for just a couple seconds, minutes, and tell us about her, her time in Brazil. Um, I could probably talk for like hours. Um, but I'm just going to share a little bit. So as most of you know, I went to Fortaleza, Brazil. It's like in the northeast with Iris Global. So it was like a mission school. So we did like classes. And then on the weekends, we did like outreaches. So I did outreaches with the prostitutes in the red light district and um, with a family that has like opened up an orphanage. It was very like if you hear the whole story, it's very like supernatural the way that the Lord did this. Um, so I'm just going to share a little bit of like how the Lord impacted me because there's so many stories I could tell that like if you want to hear all of them we can just like do lunch or something (laughs) because there's plenty (laughs) yeah I know right um but so when I first came down there I was like I all my friends know this but anyways when I first came down there I told the Lord I want to see signs wonders and miracles I want to see all the things that I've never seen before and I prayed about but I've never seen so as soon as I said that he took me to Hebrews 6 where Paul says, teachings on the laying on of hands and impartation and the resurrection of the dead are elementary, and we need to move on to deeper truths. Yeah. And and he said, I sent you here to learn about the deeper truths. And I was like, Lord, what? (laughs) What are those? (laughs) So then he took me to 1 Corinthians 13. And um, the and the specifically the part that talks about um, where it says like where words of knowledge fade, prof, or prophecy fades, um, love endures, and where words of knowledge words of knowledge fade, love endures. And then he said, um, put your name where the word love is. So where words of knowledge fade, Adrian endures, and where prophecy fades, Adrian endures. And so I asked the Lord, I was like, what? Who is this person? Like, if I endure past all of this stuff, who? what's left of me? So, like, when your kingdom comes and when all that stuff is taken away, what is left of me? Um, and, like, in that moment, he taught me, you need to grow in the things that remain. Because all of those things, you're pursuing the things that are temporary, and you need to pursue the things that are eternal. And so... Like, I, I was like, okay, God, like, he completely refocused my, my mindset, what I was going after. The reasons why I was even going after the Lord was is pr- to pursue the things that actually will remain. And when we do that, when we pursue the eternal, we get the temporary as well. And so he took me to the scripture um, where it says, um, uh, oh, yeah, these signs will follow those that believe. Um, and he said, the f- your desire to pursue the faith that remains qualifies you for the temporary experience of signs and wonders. <laughs> I'm so wrecked by all that. But anyways, <laughs> so the experience was completely different than I thought it was going to be, like totally different. I, 
I grew in who I was. I grew in confidence in, in my identity. I grew in like knowing, knowing why I'm pursuing God. And I grew in the foundations of the kingdom of God. Um, and that became my pursuit was pursuing righteousness, justice, peace, love, joy, those things that will always be there. Um, so, so yeah, I could talk about that. Oh yeah. And I'll give like one experience. <laughs> I have plenty more revelations that I could share as well, <laughs> but I'll just give one experience. Um, so down there, there's a lot of, of lust. There's a lot of drug dealing and we do work with the favelas and, uh, with the prostitutes. And like I said, with the orphanage. And so, um, I never got to work with the favela in, in Fortaleza, but I did with the, I worked with the garbage dump area in um, Rio, which is basically just a huge, like really poor area with a bunch of garbage and people live in little shacks in there. Um, so there was a boy who was about 13 and um, in Fortaleza and um, he, he used to like go to the Iris, they have Iris um, like meetings every Saturday and he used to go to those for kids, just for kids. And he, he used to go to those and then he stopped, he started drug dealing. And he got jumped and all of his drugs were like taken from him. So he owed the drug dealers $3,000. So in the middle of our service, they stop and they say, um, the drug dealers in the favela said they're, they're going to kill Carlinos because they, he owes them money. So we need to pray right now. So we started praying and the Lord told me he's not going to die. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Yeah, sure. Like they just said that they're going to kill him and you're telling me he's not going to die. Okay. So we prayed. And, um, and then the next day, we, he didn't die. He, they came and they beat him up really, really bad, but he didn't die. And they told him, you have to get out of this favela or we will kill you. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very, like, that type of stuff is very serious down there. But just seeing, like, the Lord even just tell me that and actually, like, see it happen. Like, this is life or death situation here. Like, it's not just, you know, it's not something small. And to hear his voice in that, and even though I didn't actually believe it <laughs> at the time, but, like, Lord, you actually delivered. Like, you heard that five-minute prayer that we prayed just to save this guy's life, and now he's alive. So he had to escape. He had to leave the favela, um, and he's staying with one of the missionaries now, and he's been coming to all of the services. Him and his mom have been coming to all the services with Iris Fortaleza. Um, yeah, so it's that was so good. Um, any more? No stories. <laughs> I can give like maybe one more. I don't know. There were so many, honestly. I've told like different people different things, and I just, it's all just like a whirlwind, honestly. Um, yeah, so I went to Rio the last 10 days, and that was really, really hard, actually. Um, because when you're down there, like, and you don't know any Portuguese, and nobody really speaks much English. That was probably the hardest thing for me. And it was very, like, stretching and very humbling because you had to find ways to connect with people outside of language. So I had to find little things that we may have had in common or, like, one word in Portuguese that I knew that we could just laugh about to try to connect with friends and make friends there um, and and use the little broken Portuguese that I, <laughs> that I learned. Um, and in the garbage dump, so they... It's a, it's a community that has, like, no sense of morality whatsoever. Um, they have, um, I mean, they don't have, any, of course, any money. It's, like, probably the most impoverished place I've ever been. Um, and they, they it's, there's a lot of lust. There's drug dealing, of course, and a lot of demonic possession. Um, they're, uh, they have, like, they, some of the couples are married, but it doesn't really matter. Like, you just can do whatever <laughs> with whoever and have, like, 
20 kids with and everybody just passes each other around in the whole community so it's almost it's very barbaric honestly like going there um and the lord taught me a lot about the orphan spirit um i was like i was sitting in a, in the kids service that we had and these two boys like started taking off their clothes like ripping off their shirt and throwing themselves on the ground and i just looked at that and i was like god like I just to get attention because they had they never a lot of these kids have never heard the words I love you until they go to the to the iris space. Um, and the leader told me that one of the one of the teenagers told him I never heard the words I love you until I came here and I was 16 years old. Yeah. And so like these two boys were just like taking off their shirts and and laying like flat on the ground. And I just looked at that and I was like, God, I've never like I didn't realize I realized how desperate the orphan spirit is, but how like barbaric it is like how how they're willing to rip off everything just to to get some type of attention and to to fake cry and throw themselves on the ground just so that someone will pick them up and they're like seven or eight they're kind of older but they've never a lot of these kids they don't have they have parents but their parents go out and party and do whatever they want to do and leave them around just running around doing whatever so um it it was a totally different universe for me. Um, I I had a really hard time in the beginning adjusting um, and just like we were going there and I don't know what anyone's saying. <laughs> just walking around like trying to engage with people and don't know what anyone's talking about. And then we're just doing we're doing ministry amongst garbage. We're just standing there like everything is normal. And I'm like, God, um, <laughs> help. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but he, he taught me so much and he, there's so much grace on those type of ministries. Like when you go there, even though the atmosphere is so dark, like it's almost like you don't even feel it. Like, you know, it's there, but, but it's like outside of you. Like it's, it's over here and I'm a feeler. I feel like everything. So <laughs> to be like, have, have feel that grace to be, to continue to, to minister to people and to love on people. Um, even though it's very, it was very dark. It was amazing. And I, I learned simple ways to love too, <laughs> because I didn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even communicate with people. So I, I learned how to love past language. Um, so, so that was, yeah, that was awesome. But again, if you want to hear a lot more stories, I have plenty and I have journals full of stuff and we can just sit <laughs> and talk about everything. And I want to hear everybody what the Lord's done with everybody else. Also, I want to say thank you to everybody that has helped me and supported me. Like it meant so much. You guys are like truly my family and I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So exciting. So exciting. Yeah, God is really good. He's done some amazing things in this body, and he's continuing to do that. And I really feel like that um, there's going to be a time coming really soon where we're going to see even more of um, the going out and, um, you know, equipping, and we're going to see young ones rising to the occasion, and they're going to take their spot um, to do what they've been called to do, and I'm excited to be a part of that. So um, I'm going to pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. I love your word. I'm so grateful that you've given us yourself, that we can peer into your heart through, through the pages of Scripture, and we can see what you say about us, and you can, we can see how you want us to live and how you want us to model our life. And so today, God, I just ask that you would fill my mouth. God, I don't want anything 
to come from who I am. I want it to be you, Jesus. I want you to communicate to your people. And I just ask that every spirit in the room would be open. Every human spirit in the room would be open to the leadership and teaching of the Holy Spirit. And I just say every other spirit has to bow its knee. And we just say that you have preeminence in this house. You are Lord over all. There is none like you. You're amazing, God. I thank you for your anointing, God. I thank you for for your grace and your favor. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So for our visitors, my name is Rebecca Bain. Um, I lead this church with my husband, Ryan, who I was talking about how he's out this morning. And um, we're so glad that you're here with us today. It's an honor to worship God together. Amen. Amen. So um, I've been having a conversation with the Holy Spirit for some time about this subject, and I kind of feel like I'm just scratching the surface um, for myself. Um, And and honestly, when I look back over my life, I recognize that for my whole life, I can see where the Lord has been teaching me about this subject and how he wants to um, display his glory through his children. And so, so what I want to talk to us about today is displaying the strength of God in our life because of our weaknesses. Um, just even saying those words, I feel the presence of God. I really believe that there is a key that he wants to give us as a body about strength and weakness. Um, when Alistair Petrie was here a few weeks ago, he told Ryan and I that there were going to be four keys, four doors that the Lord was going to give us, and it was going to be for this body, but ultimately for the state and beyond to, to really help the body of Christ. And I can't say that this is one of them, <laughs> but I can say for me, I believe that the Lord has given me a key concerning, concerning this. So... Um, most of you, most of you know my story about about my family and everything, but I'm just going to share a little bit because it's part of the process. So, um, I was 18 when I married Ryan, and I was 19 when I became a mama, and so I was still a kid. <laughs> um, and then, nine months later, <laughs> I get pregnant with Cameron. <laughs> And so Trenton is 17 months old when Cameron's born. And then guess what? Nine months later, I'm pregnant with Haley. And I lock myself in my house for about two weeks. I'm in depression. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? I really did. Like, I know I'm laughing now, but then it was serious. I was really crying. I couldn't believe that I literally had two in diapers, and then I was going to have another one in diapers in just a short time. So from Trenton to Cameron is 17 months, and from Cameron to Haley is 17 months. And then we had a little bit of a break for about four years, and then we, we had Brady. Uh, Ryan says that's when that's when we got a TV. Um, so, but then the TV broke <laughs> at around four years in. <laughs> no, uh, just kidding. Anyway, so the reason I mentioned that is probably for every mother in the room, you probably are like, oh my goodness, that's intense to have little bitty ones that close together. And honestly, it was. It was so difficult for me, and I was young. 
Um, how old was I when I had Haley? 22, something like that. 22, 23. Um, so I already had three kids. And like, I look at some of these and I'm like, you would have kids right now. You know, that's crazy, right? It's super crazy. Like, like, oh, it's crazy. But anyway, I think about my own kids. So anyway, um, it was a struggle for me. It was really a struggle for me. And Uh, When I look back at that time in my life, I recognize that there was probably some depression that I went through. I was overwhelmed by just mothering. Even though when I was five years old, someone would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mom. That's, That's all I've ever wanted to do. That's all I ever wanted. So here I am being a mom to these three toddlers. I had three in diapers and then two nursing. So Trenton and Cameron were nursing at one time, and then Cameron and Haley were nursing at one time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> and so there were so many times that I felt like a failure, and I felt um, like I could not be what God had called me to be, which was a mom. And so um, there were there was a time when Haley was born um, that it just had reached its peak, Um, Actually, I guess it started a little bit for, it was like climbing the mountain to reach its peak. It was a little bit before she was around, and I was so full of fear and the thought of failure and feeling weak all the time that I wouldn't leave my house. Um, And and a lot of people didn't even know that that was me because they would see me on Sunday morning because by the time, um, I think Trenton was, you know, maybe not even a year a year old, we were on staff at our first church as youth pastors and music pastors. And so people didn't really know that about me because I would show up on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and I would do my thing. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there was not a whole lot of Rebecca getting out of the house. I didn't think I could handle it. I thought it was too overwhelming for me to take these kids out of the house. And I would literally be in fear thinking, I can't do this. And I would have to wait for Ryan to take me anywhere or my mom. And it got so bad that I lost my license. Why? Because I wouldn't drive and I didn't want to go to the place to renew my license. Like, it was really, really bad. I let fear become the leader in my life because I saw myself as weak. I saw myself as insignificant and that I was not able to do what God had called me to do. Even though I knew that on the inside of me, he said, you're a mom. You're a mom. And at the time, I didn't recognize that that was a broader thing, that it was, yes, I'm a mom to Trenton, Cameron, Haley, and Brady, but I'm also a mom to other generations. And I can remember uh, one time, it was one of my favorite prophetic words that we got. We were at, I don't know if it was a camp meeting service for, I don't know what it was, but we were in uh, Lexington. Yeah, it was a youth service. In Lexington, we were at a church because the big church was going down at the camp meeting campgrounds, and we were at a different church at Liberty. And uh, John Johnny Ziegler, who's an amazing evangelist, um, <laughs> he would he would always say, uh, "What did he call me? First Lady?" Which I don't really care for, by the way. First Lady Rebecca, you look like Hallelujah, and you smell like glory. <laughs> I would crack up. I would crack up laughing at him all the time. He was super, he's super fun. But anyway, he was preaching. He's a fireball. And he told Ryan, he was like, I want you to get on the um, the organ. I want you to give me some uh, Swahili uh, music on this organ. 
<laughs> if you don't know by now, he was a black gentleman and he loved he loved our family. And well, he loves everybody, but he loved our family. So it was awesome to be able to be with him. But anyway, it was at the end of the service and he had already prayed for everybody. There's people laying all over the place, you know, look like a massacre from the Holy Spirit. And um, we were he we were done and we were actually up there leading worship and he asked us to come off. So we were stepping over bodies, you know, and we're standing there and he was like, I just prophesied to you that you are parents and that I'm calling in your black sons and daughters and you're going to be parents to many uh, international people. There's going to be many people that call you mom and dad that have different color skin than you. I was like, yes, I love it. But anyway, so, and that was around the time that our kids were, were younger and I, I didn't recognize when, when I was in the midst of changing diapers and not getting out of my pajamas and not taking a shower for five days that I was really going to be a mom to other people besides my own kids. I didn't recognize that I was in the trenches at this moment, that the Holy Spirit was training me. I was in the school of the Spirit, but I didn't recognize that. And it wasn't until after I got out of that season that I could look back and see that God was really trying to train me for what I'm doing today, for for mothering, for uh, being a voice to other people. And I, I am so thankful for that training. So the reason I'm saying this, and I know that there's guys in the room, but this is my life experience. <laughs> so you're going to have to hear about mom stuff. And Josh used to make fun of me all the time that everything that I would talk about in the spirit was related to giving birth. It still is. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> it's, it's true because that's something that, you know, the Lord really speaks. He talks to us in the things that we know, right? Right. So it, it's good. But anyway, so um, I didn't recognize like I've said, I didn't recognize that while I was in the middle of that, in the trenches, that really that the Lord was building me up to be something that I didn't know I could be. So the reason I want to tell you about that is because I believe that you can learn from that kind of experience where you can understand in the middle of those moments where you feel weak and you feel less than or you feel like you failed or you're going to put, you need to be put in Our Lady of Peace legitimately. I really thought that Ryan needed to take me to Our Lady of Peace. And for those of you that don't know what that place is, it's basically a mental health hospital. I was like, you're going to have to take me and drop me off. And I don't know what you're going to do with the kids, but I need help. I need Jesus to help me. Um, um, <laughs> that sounds crazy. My kids are amazing, though. <laughs> they weren't, like, bad. I promise. My kids were not bad. They were so, so good. Um, I just was a kid, too, so I was trying to figure it all out. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I just want to offer this opportunity to you to see that whatever your situation is, maybe maybe it's different for you because you don't have kids, and or maybe your kids are gone or they're moving on. Um, but there are situations in our life where we feel weak and we feel like we're not good enough and that we're not going to, to, to cut the mustard, so to speak. But I'm here to tell you today that you are in the school of the spirit right now in the midst of those. If you can just see it rightly, if you could just see the perspective of heaven concerning your situations God is so good. You know, I was talking to some girls a couple weeks ago about this, about the sustainability that we need to have 
um, on the inside of us. And so sustainability, okay, so I'm talking about sustainability, I'm talking about weakness, I'm talking about strength, I'm talking about perseverance, so I really don't have a title. <laughs> but anyway, so that's what's happening. Sustainability, the definition is a method of harvesting or using a resource so that the resource is not depleted. A method of harvesting or using a resource so that the resource is not depleted. Um, we live in a society today that celebrates the microwave and has water bottles, <laughs> you know? Like, this is super easy for me to go to the store, store and pick up in a plastic bottle that's really bad for the environment. <laughs> my, my carbon footprint's probably like Goliath. Um, so I'm, the Lord's working on me. <laughs> but anyway, so this is easy. We can get this water bottle, and we don't think about the source of it. Well, some of us do, and that's good, and you should. You should think about the source of where your water comes from. But for the most part, when you look at the, the world in general, when they grab a water bottle, they're not thinking about, oh, where did this come from? Is this artisan water? Did this come from a really good well? Or is it just um, Ohio River water? <laughs> um, that's not <laughs> That's not been uh, filtered. We are thankful for the Louisville Water Company. They do an amazing job. I'm really thankful for that. They actually do. Actually, Louisville has some of the best water in like the country. So that's good. And if you even even in the state, like it's Louisville's top notch when it comes to tap water. But anyway, we don't think about that a lot of times. Um, but if you look back in the times when uh, you know, like Jacob. Um, was around, they, they had to dig wells so that they could live. They had, to, they had to seek it out. They had to go and dig in the ground. And so it would be this whole group of people that they're moving to a certain location. And the very first thing that they had to do was to find water. If they did not find the well of water or a stream of water to, to build a well, they would perish. They'd have to move on. And so the reason I say that is because I think that for so many of us in, in the body of Christ, I'm not even talking about the world, I'm talking about us, that we um, depend too much on things that we can put in the microwave. We depend too much on, understand, or, on not recognizing where our water really comes from. And I hope you understand, I'm, I, sure, we can talk about the natural, but I'm talking about in the spirit realm. We do not recognize the wells that are available to us that we can drink from. I feel like there's so many of us in the body of Christ that go dehydrated, that we could starve because we don't understand that right at our hands uh, reach is something that we can drink from, a well that we can drink from. And that is what causes us to have sustainability. Not, not, um, not these water bottles and microwave um, mentality. And, you know, like I said, I'm literally drinking from a water bottle. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but can you not, can you not, think about like the difference between a home-cooked meal on a stove you know even over fire that's actually really fun and then putting something in the microwave it's totally different right and what do you prefer the home-cooked meal it's something that somebody took time to labor and and you know if you really think it, it people take time to grow the wheat 
then thrash it, then ground it, then make it into something that, that, that is beautiful that we can taste. That's a long process. That's not something that takes just minutes. That's actually, you know, if you think about from start to finish, that's a year or longer because of the harvest that you have to think about. So um, we need to have a mindset change and, un- and understand that our minds need to be the minds of Christ. We need to um, think like he does. And he is never about a, a, a flash in the pan. You hear that from this from us all the time, that because he's not a flash in the pan kind of a God, we don't want to be. We want to be people of legacy and, and longevity, and we want to see what, what God wants for this generation to be able to be passed on to not just my kids, but my, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. That's my prayer. That is my life's goal, that what I am doing in digging wells and, like I said, in, in raising toddlers, what I'm doing in the midst of that is not for me. It is unto other generations. I can even remember, you know, Joseph, he had this awesome dream. And long story short, he's actually becomes the second in command in Egypt. He helps a a nation that doesn't even believe in God. He helps this nation. And then in turn, it helps Israel, his dad and his brothers and all of that. And they grow and they, they, um, Egypt was a good thing. In the beginning, God used Egypt to help his children. But what happened? They forgot. You can read scripture and it says very clearly that they did not remember. They didn't remember what God had done for them. And because of them, it brought them into slavery. So it's important that, that we recognize the wells that are in, that are in front of us. Now listen. I, um, I totally am thankful, like really, really thankful for wells that other people have dug for me. I wouldn't be who I am today if I wasn't able to, to, to drink from a well that someone else has opened for me. There, there are so many people that have done, they've done the work, they've been in the dirt, and they've, they've dug those wells, and I'm so thankful. I also want to say that I believe that it is our responsibility in our personal life to dig our own wells. And you know what? A lot of time the Holy Spirit will show up in overalls with a shovel and ready to work, and we don't recognize him because we think he needs to come in a three-piece suit or something, uh, but no, he is coming with us to put on, to put on gloves, to get down in the dirt. And you know what the down in the dirt is when I was doing, when I was raising my kids, that was down in the dirt for me. Holy Spirit was absolutely a part of every time I was changing a diaper or feeding or doing someone's laundry or praying over my kids. The Holy Spirit was so glad to be a part of that with me. He was in partnership. He was working right alongside of me on the inside of me and my kids. He was doing that during that time. So I want us to understand that we are responsible for our own wells. Yes, we do have many other people that can help us. But listen, there's a time there's a time that we have to come to that that we um let me let me think about this for a second. <laughs> okay, there's a place that we have to come to 
where we are responsible for ourselves. These are things that I've already said before. It would be really, really awkward if, um, if Cameron couldn't feed himself. It'd be really awkward, wasn't, wouldn't it be? If, if, if I still had to feed him with a spoon and a fork, everybody, everybody would be like, um, is there something wrong? What's going on? That's, that's not normal. That's not natural. What's happening, right? But no, because I have parented him and I've mothered him, he knows how to feed himself. He knows how to make his own food. As a matter of fact, on the way to church this morning, because, you know, I'm a mom thinking about we're getting ready to go to Redding, California in about a month or so to take him out there to live. And so, like, all these things in my in my mom brain, like, oh, my goodness, he's going to eat. Oh, my goodness, healthy food. No, it's all going to be like McDonald's. I'm going to have to go there and put meals in the freezer, which I'm going to do. Um, but I'm going to all these things. Does he know how to do? So I'm like, Cam, you do know how to do laundry, right? Like, you know, not to put the darks with the whites and you know and I mean like he does his own laundry most of the time I do a lot of the laundry but they do they do help me with their laundry so but anyway I'm so I'm thinking oh can he do that is he going to be able to handle that when he gets to California and I'm across the world can he fold his own clothes can he sweep can he mop you know all that stuff um but anyway <laughs> what'd you say he can he can <laughs> he can do it yeah I wouldn't be sending him out there if I didn't know that he could do it. But there's still things that, as a mom, you, you'd like have this checklist. But anyway, it would be super awkward, though, if he couldn't. But he can because I did my job as a mom and Ryan as a father to train them to do the things that they're supposed to do. And not, of course, not just in the natural, but we've trained them who to talk to. I can remember so many times when my kids were super little and, and they would have an ear infection. Like Haley, for, for instance, I remember she was probably five years old and she came to our room and she's like, Mommy, my ear hurts so bad. And I knew it was an ear infection. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to pray right now. We're going to believe the Lord. And he healed it. We went to to the doctor there was no ear infection that was a time in my life when we didn't have insurance but God was my insurance and there were so many times that my kids would come and say my throat hurts or you know I'm my stomach's hurting or whatever and we would pray over them and they would be healed instantly God did it and we have faith and so our kids know that's what you do you talk to God you go to him before you go to a doctor these are all things that um that we have to teach our kids so it's important for us to dig our own wells and and listen I recognize that there are times in our life that we're on a stretcher and that we need an IV and somebody's going to help us they're going to help us with that and we're going to we're going to you know get strength because of that but listen there are also spiritual hitchhikers listen to me there are also people that want a free ride and they're, they're like, oh, I need you to help me. I need another word from the Lord to come from you. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Dig your own well. You have the tools. The Holy Spirit does it for you. You do not need someone else to do it for you. And there are so many people that have come our way. You know, 20 years of ministry, people, they, they're like, I want you to lay hands on us because we want to lead worship like you do. And, you know, whatever. Like, listen, this wasn't something that just 
poof, it just happened. It took time in the face of God. It took time behind the keyboard or just sitting in the presence of God, hearing the voice of the Lord. It wasn't just some magical thing. It's something that we put ourselves to do. And so I'm not looking to be around people that want to be spiritual hitchhikers that are trying to freeload off of other people. I want to be around people that are strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. That's what the scripture tells us, right? That we're, that we're supposed to be strong in the Lord. Now listen, the, the conversation that I've been having with the Lord has been about my own weakness. And, and it, we, I've said this a thousand th- times, but, you know, I believe that our walk with the Lord um, and him training us and healing us from the inside out, it's really about, uh, it's kind of like an onion. It's got layers, you know, from Shrek. There's like, peel, we got to peel another piece back, and he's healed something, and we walk along and we're good, and then we, boop, we bump into something, and we're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought I handled that. <laughs> but we recognize that, that um, you know, David, he fought Goliath when he was a young man, and that was a giant, and he killed him, right? But later in life, David faced more than one giant, and they were bigger. So it's, that's the whole layer thing. There's, it's, it's not, and, and I, don't, I don't subscribe to what I've heard other people say, that new levels, new devils. No, I, I don't have time for that because um, I, I go from glory to glory, and I don't have to worry about new devils. I'll, I'll take the new levels, but I'm not taking new devils. You got it? <laughs> so we're not going to subscribe to that. But I will say that, we'll, that the Lord will trust us with certain things because of our maturity in him and growing in who, who we are and who he's called us to be. Hallelujah. Um, so, so alongside the well, there's an opportunity for trees to grow. And I want us to know that the well is on the inside of us. The the Bible tells us that there's a river of living water that flows in us, right? So alongside this river, there's an opportunity for trees to go. And, um, I, I think it's, it's awesome that we heard from Chris just a couple weeks ago about, the table of God and, and, and eating from the table of God. And he talked about the fruit of the spirit a little bit. You know, I, um, I think it's funny. Sometimes people will cry out and be like, I don't know how to handle this situation or these people are getting on my nerves or, you know, whatever. And they, they're not looking that they're wanting to have a quick fix. They're wanting to be able to go to a tree that there's fruit on and grab that fruit and consume it. Right. They, they want to just be able to do that, right? And they don't recognize, same, same idea about the water bottle, that that tree took a long time to get to where it was. There was a seed that went into the ground and had to die, and then, and then it started to grow. But even when it was, had a trunk and tree leaves, it still didn't have fruit. A lot of times it takes three to seven years, depending on what kind of fruit tree it is, to actually produce something that's even worth eating, So I want us to think about that, that this is a longevity thing, that we have to be able to have a river, a a well on the inside of us that we dig alongside with Holy Spirit so that it will feed the root system of the trees that grow in our life, that it doesn't just happen overnight. 
It does not. It takes, it takes time. And you know what? It is the process of time that is the, that is the most glorious thing. It's not the destination. It's really not. It's the journey with God. You know, um, so we, we see this tree in our life and that we want to be able to go and grab it, right? But, but there has to be something that's planted on the inside of us that will grow the fruit of the Spirit in us. So it's not for someone else to do, but it's for our own self that when we spend time in the face of God, we are, we are growing that tree, and we're going to be able to consume love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those things which the law is not against. That is what's living on the inside of us. And so I don't want us to be discouraged if maybe our tree is a little immature. I want us to understand that's those are the times that we might need somebody to help us along the way, but don't give up. Don't trample that tree out, right? Yeah, this, the, there's a place where the fruit of the Spirit grows that we can't just grab that fruit. I'm just reading my notes. It has to be planted in a life that is inside the nature of God. If we can take our eyes off of our circumstances and look at him, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce that fruit in us. And, you know, um, I've, I've heard Ryan say this before that, you know, the scripture says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord, right? So the word says, but sometimes that means that our steps might go down instead of up. And so it's in those moments that we need to know where our strength really does come from. Those are the moments that we're weakest. You know, maybe it's a financial issue or uh, maybe it's a relationship problem, whatever it is, or your job. There can be a myriad of different things that you see yourself stepping down rather than stepping up. God has ordered our steps. You know, um, Judas was the plan of God. And, you know, when, when I think about... When I think about my life, um, in 2009, um, our world kind of just totally flipped upside down. And um, I really, to be honest with you, I thought that I was being punished. I thought, I have done something really wrong, and God is super mad at me. And let me just say, before I move on, that was a lie that I was believing. God was never mad at me. And he was never disappointed at me. But the enemy took that opportunity to put a wedge in and then open the door wide so that I would believe that lie instead of this is an opportunity for growth. This is God ordering my steps, even though I can't see it. And so during that time, that's when that, that was one of the main lessons that I learned, that God was not disappointed in me and that, that he actually was causing this to happen. Now, I know people are like, well, God's good. He is good. He's amazing. And all that he does, everything that he does is good and it's perfect. And there's nothing wrong with what he does ever, 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 ever. It's always right. But I want us to understand when you think about um, the children of Israel and when they were in Egypt and they got out, he sent bad things. He sent locusts, and he sent um, frogs and all these, like, weird things, <laughs> right? That was from God. And there were other opportunities in the scripture 
where God caused hearts to turn, to harden, to do things like that. Why? Because his plan had to be made, um, had to be made way for, right? And so in our lives, like I was talking about in 2009, it, I just thought this is the worst thing I could ever go through. God hates me and he's punishing me. And it was his kindness that was leading me to, first of all, to repentance, to see, wait a minute, that's not how you see me. But God, what are you doing in me? What is this opportunity that you are making me stronger? Because I was weak. I was super weak. And you know, there's a difference, okay? There is a weakness that I feel like is of the flesh. And really, this is this is what I want to talk about. There's a weakness that's of the flesh, which is, um, you know, I can't do anything. I'm going to, um, you know... All that stuff I was talking about when I was when I was raising my kids. <laughs> I'm depressed. I, I can't handle it. Um, you know, I have to, I need everybody else to help me. I'm the hitchhiker, right? I was the hitchhiker. That's who I was. There's that weakness, right? But what is so awesome is that there's also a weakness that we have that we recognize our weakness and we're saying, God, I know that I can't do it. I know that I can't, but I'm going to do it because you've put your strength in me. I'm going to do it. Even though I feel like in myself that I can't, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to do it. I'm going to choose to persevere. I'm going to choose to pull myself up by my own bootstraps because the Holy Spirit's given me the power to do that. And I'm going to push through. I'm going to persevere. Romans 5, will you put that up there for me? Romans um, 5 talks about this. And of course, this will be in the Passion Translation, so you'll pro we can just read it together. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. All right, here we go. But that's not all. Listen, this is where I'm hanging my hat on this scripture. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Well, let's stop there just for one second. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Now listen, I have, I have been in pressure situations before. And I have wanted so badly to remove myself from underneath that pressure because it was hard and it hurt and I didn't like it. But the pressure was producing something in me. We have a joyful confidence that that pressure is the developing patient endurance in me. I, you know, like when a rocket rocket leaves into outer space and it goes to orbit, there is this pressure that comes between it and the ground because of the, the rocket, right? Because that, those, you know, you can probably see it in your head. And if that pressure wasn't there, then that rocket would not be able to shoot into outer space and do what it's supposed to do. And if and if those astronauts didn't have the power behind that, they wouldn't be able to accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish. 
And I know we all know about the, the pressure on the olive, how it produces oil. And that's the, the spirit, the oil of the spirit. We cannot remove ourselves from the pressure. We are not to be weak Christians. He has called us to be strong. It is not our own strength. It is his through us. Okay, go on. Go on. I know I got to hurry. And patient endurance will refine our character. Come on. We want to be mature people that have good character, that when the world looks at us, we are displaying God, not our own self. And proven, no, go back. Sorry. And proven proven character leads us back to hope. Okay. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's real, guys. This is real. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Isn't that powerful? That all of this stuff, this trouble, these these pressures, these things that come out us, they are working for us. We employ them. We tell them what to do, basically. And we're letting the, the pressure come and make something that is good character, that's lasting. And because of that, we can have the Holy Spirit cascade over us and experience it every single day. So let's not, let's not pull ourselves away from the pressure. Get in there. Dig in. You know, sometimes we have to discipline ourselves first before it becomes a desire and delight in us. We have to discipline us our, ourselves in the place of prayer. Listen, I, I love you so much, and I'm not speaking to every person in here when I say this, because I know that there are some people that spend many, many hours in the prayer closet, and they look at the face of God, and I can tell, you know, that's why, that's why I'm saying this. I can tell who does and who doesn't. I can tell by the way you live your life. It is fruit. That fruit that I'm talking about, sometimes it's immature fruit. And I can see that you've not spent time in the face of God. And you've not spent time reading the word of God. This is life. The word of God is life. You need to love it more than you love yourself. You need to love it more than anything. Now listen, I recognize that there are distractions in our life. I know that that's true, but we have to cut them off. And really, this is, you know, this is what I really believe. I I was looking at the life of Gideon. I was also looking at Joshua. And Gideon was like, "Um, I can't do this. Basically, it was Jesus that came to him. It was the, the spirit of the Lord, the angel of the Lord came to him. And he was in a threshing floor. I mean, he was in a wine press. I'm sorry, he was in a wine press threshing wheat. He was hiding out. Actually, they were all hiding out. And he was, um, he was doing his work, and he was in a hopeless state. He saw himself like I did uh, 20 years ago. He saw himself as a failure, and I can't be a part of, I can't be a part of this, uh, um, you know, this um, brrr, tribe. I'm, I, I'm nothing. There's nothing good in us. We have to hide because of these people that are coming out. We plant these, we plant our um, gardens, and they come and eat us, and now we're, they eat it all, and <laughs> they don't eat us. They eat it all, and we're starving. Um, and so he's got this mindset of hopelessness. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've so much so that, that just to eat, I got to hide myself in a wine press. And the, the Jesus himself comes to him and he was like, uh, mighty warrior. And Gideon, I, I, this is my interpretation. He's probably like, what? No, you're talking to the wrong person. 
how are you telling me that I am a mighty man of God, a mighty man of warrior, or a mighty man of war? No, 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 that's not me. You missed, you, you, you got the wrong wine press. You're going to have to move on to somebody else. This is not the right. But it was absolutely Jesus encouraging Gideon and letting him know who he really was. And he was bringing that hope, and he was helping him dig a well. He was helping, helping Gideon dig a well, recognizing that, no, he really couldn't fight them. On his own. Even he couldn't with the the 300 that, you know, he started with how many thousands and then it got down to 300. He really, he knew that was not his ability. He couldn't do it. It was impossible. But as we've already said in our offering declaration, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Even in our situations, just like Gideon, we might see our life as hopeless, but because of the strength of the Lord displayed in, in Gideon's life or in our life, we're able to conquer the enemy. We're able to overthrow them. And it's just, it's unconventional too. They didn't even have to use swords. They had clay pots and torches. They didn't even have to do anything. I want you to, under, I want you to hear me today with your spirit that you can do this. We're not going to be weak the, the way the world looks at us. We're going to be weak by the way that Jesus looks at us. And listen, I know, I know that even in, in the midst of that, we can look like fools right? The world really can look at us and they can see that we look weak or they're making really weird decisions, you know, because of the leadership of, of God. But we will be on display. We will display the goodness of God. We're going to let joy be our continual feast. This is 1 Thessalonians 5. You don't, you don't have this and that's fine. I'll just say it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Let joy be our continual feast. Make our life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, all these trials, all these pressures, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. It's his plan for you to, to make everything look crazy. In the kingdom, it's upside down. People are not going to understand when you're in the middle of battles that you're saying, thank you, God. You're so good, and I'm going to look at you, and I worship you, Jesus. When people see that, they're confused. But you know, even better, right, <laughs> it's right, Tanya, when the devil looks at you, and you're in the, in the middle of hell, and you're like, oh, I love you, I find my joy in you. He is confused, guys. He is so confused. I remember listening to Graham Cook, and he was talking about peace, and, and he was saying peace is a weapon, and um, it was such a huge revelation for me. It is a weapon, and he was talking about how the Lord gave him this vision, and he was in this field, and there were these, this army coming at him, and, he's, and he said, I'm going to get it. This is my paraphrase. How about that? <laughs> he said, um, I want you to step in, and he saw like this, this light, I guess, and he was like, that's my peace, Graham. I want you to step in that. So he steps in it, and he was like, this is your weapon against the enemy. And he was like, I'm standing in the middle of the field. They're going to be able to see me. I'm in the middle of this. I mean, yeah, I'm standing in this, but I have no sword. I have no shield. I have nothing. And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is your sword, and this is your shield. And he said, as they came, that they ran right past him because they were so confused about the peace that he was living in. Listen, peace is a weapon. Rest is a weapon of the Lord that he wants you to wield. That's part of it. So, whoo. All right, so will you put up 2 Corinthians 12 for me? This is, oh, my goodness, this is so powerful, guys. So, so, so powerful. 
Awesome. So he answered, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but I delight in it. For when I feel my weakness and, what is that word? Endure. (laughs) I can't read my own handwriting. Mistreatment. When I am surrounded with trouble on every side and I face persecution because of the love of Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's glory. Who in this room wants to be a portal of God's glory? I want to be the first to sign up. I delight in my weakness. I put it on display because I recognize It is not myself. It is not me that is doing it. It is the mighty power of God that is working on the inside of me. So God, today we say that we will be portals of your glory. When all hell is breaking loose against us, when we hear man's opinion coming at us, when we hear the the taunts from the enemy, we say that we celebrate our weakness. We're not defeated because of it, God. We are overcomers because of our weakness. We want you to be on display, God. You know, that's really what this is about. It's about his glory being on display. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think that we, that sometimes as believers, we have this misunderstanding that, that life revolves around us, that Jesus came to the world just for me, which, you know, he came to save us, but for the, for, for the truth of the matter, I am not here for my dreams to come to pass. I am here to make God's dream come to pass. And so if that means me being weak and showing off my weakness, then sign me up. I will be the first to be a portal of the glory of God, that he would be on display in my life, that his dream would come to pass in me. And you know, you might not like the dream. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. Quit being so selfish. That's what I'm here to say, that when we are weak in the world's standards, it's because we're selfish. We have to crucify our flesh on the altar and we need to let that be a sweet smelling fragrance to heaven let Jesus let him just be consumed with the fragrance of our flesh let it burn that we would not have our own goals and our own intentions to be to be done it's not about even even those people that want to be like in ministry whether it's pulpit or whatever it is it's not about you and your calling it's really not He doesn't need you. (laughs) He doesn't need me. You know what? He's the one that gave me the gifts. He's the one that gave you the gifts. It's for him. It's for him. You know, in our weakness, I just, I remember, I wanted to share this because I thought it was really cute. Lion King's one of our, one of our favorite. We love Disney in general. Uh, Disney movies, they're fun. But anyway, so Lion King, you know the part where um, Simba goes to the hyenas with, um, Nala, you know what I'm talking about? And they're in the elephant graveyard, and it's like dark and whatever. And they're taunting Simba and Nala. The hyenas are laughing at them, and they're taunting them. You know what I'm talking about? And he, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to come at you. And he's like, Row! <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? And then, Row! and they're like, oh. And then there's this, 
roar, it comes out, and they run, they scatter, right? That is the picture that the Lord gave me today of what he does for us in our weakness. We have this little bitty, you know, that we're trying to tell the enemy, you get out of my face. I'm going to take my ball and go home, you know? No, 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 no. We have the roar of the Lion of Judah over us, and he roars and he pushes back the enemy. It is not in our own strength. It is in the strength of the Lord that we will come against the enemy, and they will fall to our left and to our right. All we have to do is say yes. And so we say yes today. We say yes to your way, God. We say yes to our weakness putting you on display. God, that we are portals of your glory today, God. We want the roar of the Lion of Judah to go over this city, to go over our lives and our situations. God, we just, we're going to show up just like Gideon. We're going to show up and we're going to be who you've called us to be through our weakness. Yeah, if you would just stand to your feet, Cam, will you come to the, to the music, please? Listen, if we're not persevering in hope, then we are persevering with the wrong character. We cannot do this on our own. And listen, I really feel like that's why, that's why I've had this conversation with the Holy Spirit for some time now. We have tried, I think I said this even last week, we have tried to do things on our own. We've not persevered, persevered with the hope of God. It's been our own hope or lack thereof. It's been our own strength. And, and you know, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's really nothing good about us. <laughs> There's nothing good about who we are. It is only his righteousness, like we were reading earlier. It is his righteousness on display in us that brings us to this place of victory. I... I want us to be such a strong community of believers that it wouldn't matter what kind of, of hurricane winds, what kind of storms come our way, that we're going to stand so strong in knowing it is not us being strong. It is the weakness of God on display. I want it to be my privilege and my honor to show my weakness. Yeah. So if this is you today, if you feel like you have been trying on your own strength or you feel like a failure or you feel so weak, I would love to invite you to come to the altar just as a sign of surrender to him, as a, as a sign of saying, I don't want my own strength. I don't, want, I don't want to show who I am. I want the strength of God to, to come. I want the portal of my life to display the glory of God. So if that's you, I would love for, to invite you now to come. And we're going to pray over you and pray that the Spirit of God would strengthen you on your inside. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us at 1725 Research Drive in Louisville, Kentucky, or online at awakeningky.com.